Welcome to the Hope City Church Podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord together, isn't it? Six people thought so. That was great. Thank you, guys. God is good. His presence is tangible and real, and I don't know about you, but I am excited for all that God is doing in our house, for what God is doing in us and through us. Um, There is the sticky tab on that chair right there that says Jesus chair, just says Jesus. It's just a reminder that, that he's here in this house, amen? I said Jesus is here in this house, amen? When we remember that Jesus is here, when you remind yourself that Jesus is here, it does something inside of you. You know what? I was listening to, of all people, I was listening to a a clip from a comedian yesterday, and he was talking about how your brain is split into half, and you have a smart half and a dumb half, and this this is actually true. This is actually true science, and he said that they've discovered that if you're having a bad day, that if you just make yourself smile, it will trick the dumb half of your brain into believing that it's happy. And, I mean, obviously he went on and made a bunch of jokes about it, but my point is this, is sometimes you got to remind yourself of some things that maybe you think are a little, little basic or derivative, like, like a Jesus sticker on a chair, But when you remind yourself, you look at that and say, oh, Jesus is here in this house. It does something in your brain. It does something in your heart where you are suddenly expecting Jesus to show up and to move. And I don't know about you, but when I read the Gospels, when I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I see those people in those stories looking for Jesus to come and and find him and answer their phone and say, what is it you want? Uh, And when they are in expectation of Jesus, they go and they find him because they know that if I can just get to Jesus, everything will change. And so I want you to remember, I want you, when you come to church, I don't want you to say you're going to church. Just, Just remind yourself that you are going to the house of God. That you're going to God's house. And then when you get inside this building, remind yourself that Jesus is here. The Bible says where two or three are gathered, that there he is in our midst. The Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people. So as we're singing and as we're lifting our hands, the Bible tells us that he is in this place. His presence is here. And when his presence is here, he is here. And when he is here, everything that he is comes with him. Remind yourself of these things. Don't just come and participate, kind of, sort of, and sit down and count the minutes until you get to go home. Come expecting Jesus to move in your life. Because when you expect Jesus to move in your life, Jesus will move in your life. Amen? Um, before I jump into the word, I want to remind you, maybe, maybe you know this, maybe you don't, maybe we haven't done a super great job of communicating this. I feel like we have, but coming this weekend, we've got pastors Doug and Donna Lassett coming 
to spend some time with us from Denver, Colorado. And um, we're going to have a special service Saturday night at 6 o'clock. And then they're going to be here for both of our services Sunday morning, 9 and 11. I want you to do everything you can in your power to come and be a part of those services. Um, they will be, you know, just like every time you come in the presence of Jesus, when you come expecting something, something will happen. So come, bring your friends, bring your neighbors, bring your dentist, bring your barber. I don't know. I don't know who you know. You may probably know a lot of people, but bring people with you to come into the presence of Jesus and watch and see what God's going to do. It's going to be a powerful weekend. I talked to Pastor Doug on the phone yesterday, and they are super excited about coming. Um, and he was asking me questions about, you know, what are, what are you guys, what kind of season are you in as, as a church? And I was telling him, you know, what we're going through right now and, and like what I've been talking to you about, the five hallmarks of our house. And I was telling him how that, that our level of expectancy is high. Is it just me and Jen? Are me and Jen's the only one expecting Jesus to move? No, no. There is such a, I was telling them there's such an expectation for God to move. It's going to be such a powerful time this weekend. So do everything you can. We're, we're actually, um, we were talking about it before church this morning, and we told everybody in the 9 o'clock service this, but we're going to have a, a worship night this coming Wednesday night from 7 to 8. We haven't planned it. We haven't, like, announced it. It hasn't been all over social media. We're just winging it. But we want to come together and spend an hour just worshiping God, preparing our hearts for all that God has for us this weekend. So come on out to that. Again, bring your dentist or your barber or your, your sous chefs or your uh, lawn maintenance person, your mechanic, your school teacher, your neighbor, your neighbor you like, your neighbor you don't like. Bring the neighbor you don't like and watch God work in their lives because that's really fun, isn't it? Uh, so come and join us. It's going to be a great time. Amen? amen? Amen means so be it. So when we say amen, we're saying so be it. Open your Bibles with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 15. We're going to continue talking about the five hallmarks of our house. Two weeks ago, we talked about a house that's going to uncompromisingly seek God and seek his presence. Last week, we talked about a house where all see that God is with us through signs and wonders. And the Lord summed it up by saying that we were going to be a house of miracles. Not that we're seeking the miracles, but we are seeking the miracle maker. And when you seek the miracle maker, when you seek the Lord and the creator of the heavens and the earth, he shows up with all. I just love that God just shows up. And when he shows up, all of them shows up. You know, like, have you ever met somebody, like, that you looked up to, whether it was like a... a like an author or like a musician or an actor or like just somebody you looked up to and you had these expectations of, of who they were going to be and then you met them and they like let you down? Has that ever happened? One time, uh, I think it was me and Cam went down to, we must have been like in high school, we drove down to Seattle um, to go watch the Sonics play. Remember when the Sonics were in Seattle? We had like a basketball team, a professional basketball team close by. Anybody remember that? Okay, we drove down, and I, I loved Sean Kemp, number 40 on the Sonics. I was so pumped about Sean Kemp, man. Dude was massive and could just throw down like nobody's business. He was a big goon on the court, just push everybody around. We drove down and went to go to see the Sonics play, and um, 
we showed up before the game, and there was nobody really around, and so we went down to the court, and, like, we are going to, like, try and say hi to Sean Kemp, and I was just, like, in awe. I was, like, I'm so excited, and we went down there, and uh, before we could get close to him, we were about this far, as far away from Nadia as I am right now, and we were about this, this close, and some little kid came up and went to go talk to him and ask for his autograph, and he was just, like, get out of here. Like, don't bother me. And I was like, oh, man. I was like mortified because, you know, you have this picture of who somebody is, and you, when you meet them, you want them to be the same picture in your mind of who they are in reality. And a lot of people, tell, a lot of people will let us down, but God will never let you down. Who he is is who he is is who he is, is who he is. In the morning, in the afternoon, in the middle of the night, when you wake up, he's still God. He's still good. And so I'm just excited about all that God is doing because everywhere he goes, he brings all of his goodness with him. So we're going to be a house that sees God work and move miraculously. And today we're going to talk about a house of rest. Is anybody here tired? Raise, let's raise our hands. If you're tired, let's, <laughs> bro's got both hands. Lift it up. <laughs> Put your hands up really high and then look around so everybody can see like, oh, there's other tired people in this room. It's been a long season, hasn't it? It's been a long, like, we're at 2023. I feel like it should be 2043 with how long these last three years have really lasted with all, all the stuff that's gone on in the world. And it's tiring, Right? And one of the things out of this passage of scripture the Lord said was that we were going to be a house of rest. So in 2 Chronicles chapter 15, in verse number 15, it says this. Today I'm reading from the New King James translation. It says, All Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart and sought him with all their soul. And he was found by them. And the Lord gave them rest all around. Everybody say, The Lord Say the Lord like you mean it. Say the Lord gave rest. So we are going to be a house that is a supernatural house of rest. So people that are tired, people that are weary are going to come into the presence of God and be rested and refreshed. I was trying to articulate this well in the first service. I don't know how well I got it. So you're all going to benefit from my my practice run of the nine o'clock service. But what I was, I'm just joking, it wasn't a practice run. Um, What I felt like I was trying to articulate in words more of a sense or a, a, a feeling that the Lord was trying to communicate. And the sense was that, you know, when you have worked hard and you've done something and you've been like sweating it out, you've been in the field, you've been on your yard, you've been like cutting down trees, you've been working all day, you've been working hard, and you finally get to sit down, and you sit down, and it's just like that, and you finally get to rest. Do you know what I'm talking about? I feel like there are many people that have been working hard and are exhausted and tired and wore out and weary. And our house will be a house where people can come into the presence of God because we are a house that is going to be uncompromisingly seeking God. It means because we're going to be seeking God that his presence will be here. And so because his presence is going to be here, when people are tired and wore out, they are going to come into this house and sit down in their weariness and sit down and be like, I feel rested and refreshed here in the house because the presence of God is here in this house. We are going to be a house of supernatural rest. 
where burdens are going to be lifted and weights are going to be lifted off of our shoulders and laid aside. And so here it says this. It says that because they entered an oath and they sought the Lord God with all their heart and their soul and they found him, says the Lord gave them rest. The first thing I want to tell you this is that rest comes from God. You're not going to find true rest anywhere else. You know, you can go on a holiday for a while. You know, they say it takes, if you go on a holiday, they say it takes statistically, scientifically, three and a half days before you even begin to relax because you are so worked up from everything else in life that it takes you three and a half days to begin to let go and forget about all those burdens, all those cares, all those worries. Did I do this? Did I take care of this? Did I make sure this was done? Did I pay this bill? Did I square away my luggage? Did I check in for my flight to this place? Did I organize this? Are my kids safe and taken care of? Did I close the windows? Did I turn the oven off? I think I left the oven on. Oh, my gosh. And you spend six hours on your holidays worrying about whether your oven is off or on. They say it takes three and a half days. And so you can go on a holiday, and you can try and rest, and you can try and relax, and most of us finally get there. But then before it's all over done, and you've really, truly relaxed and been refreshed, what happens? It's time to pack up and go home, right? And the whole thing starts all over again. But I want to tell you, rest, true rest, comes from the presence of God. It says here in this verse that the Lord gave them rest. God is the giver of rest. God is going to give you rest. This is going to be a house of rest. When you come into his presence, you can walk in and sit down in that chair. You can walk up here to this altar and sit down. I don't know why I'm the only one at the front worshiping. I mean, I sit here, but if you notice during the, during the worship service, I slowly end up moving forward closer and closer. Listen, if you want to come up front and worship the Lord and dance, you come up front and worship the Lord and dance. There is all this space. Look at how close all of you are sitting together in your chairs and you probably hate it when you're trying to clap and somebody's behind you or you have to go raise your hand listen when I was growing up I used to have to stand beside my mom in worship and my mom I think I actually worship the Lord now like my mom did when I was a kid and it I just had this realization like last week but I would stand beside her can you come here babe and my mom I'd be standing in the front row and she'd be standing beside me and my mom was always like doing this like back and forth and I do that now too I do you just be me. And then um, so many times my mom would be raising her hands, worshiping like this. And then it was always like this. Hand like right in my face. Like she'd, she'd hit me. She'd be, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Listen, you guys are crammed together. Get out of your chair. Come on down front and worship the Lord. If you, I'm not going to make you. I'm not going <laughs> to come grab your hand and haul you down here. I'm just saying, if you want to come worship the Lord, come down and worship the Lord. We're going to be a house where people come into the presence of God and they are rested and refreshed because God is the giver of rest. Rest is his idea. We talked about this all last in December. We went through our ruthless elimination in a hurry. We went through all this and we talked about God is the giver of rest. If you need rest in your life, there is one place to truly find it and that's in his presence. Psalm chapter 62, verse 1, in the New, New International Version, it says it this way. It says, my soul finds rest in God. My soul finds rest in God. And so I looked, just before we jump to the New Testament, I just looked up in Webster's 1828 Dictionary what rest was so we could all be on the same page together and understand it. And we just, if you've been here at any amount of time, you know that we love the Webster's 1828 version of the dictionary so much more than the, than the, 
any other dictionary you can find. Webster's 1828 is where it's at. If you want a good definition, go back a long time and find this dictionary and read it. So rest in Webster's 1828 says this. Cessation of motion or action of any kind. And it's applicable to any body or being as rest from labor, rest from mental exertion, rest of body or mind. It says a body is at rest when it ceases to move. The mind is at rest when it ceases to be disturbed or agitated. I really like this definition because your body could be at a state of rest, but if your mind is not in a state of rest, you're not resting. How many times have you laid in bed with your mind running a thousand miles an hour, with all the problems you have to solve, with all the cares and the worries? And so you're trying to rest. How many times have you laid down for a nap? Who loves a good nap? And you lay down and you try and take a nap and all you can think about is everything that you have to do when you get up from your nap and all the problems that you have. Listen, you can physically stop from motion, but if the disturbances and the agitations inside of your mind aren't quieted, you're not truly resting. And so to rest, these things have to be silenced. These things have to be stopped. And so what it's saying is true rest is when you come into the presence of God and he quiets both your heart and your mind mind when you still your body and you say I am going to rest in the presence of God and as you begin to move into rest in God he quiets your heart and your mind and all those cares and those concerns and those worries you lay them down at his feet and as your mind is quieted as your soul is quieted you are truly resting in him this is what rest is and he is the giver of rest who needs rest in their life? I got, a great, I got a great thing to tell you. You need rest, go into the presence of God and quiet yourself. One of my favorite things to do, and I've really only discovered it in the last few years, is just to go and sit in God's presence and shut up. I grew up where we had to talk to Jesus all the time. And if you're not praying in English, you got to pray in tongues. Your mind's got to be going. You got to be engaged. You got to be working. But I realized along the line, it's somewhere that I got to be quiet so that I can hear from God. I got to quiet myself to hear in God's presence. And so, one of my favorite things to do now is I will just put a timer on my phone and say to myself, I'm going to sit in God's presence for the next 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and just still myself and rest in Him. And I just sit there quietly, allowing him to speak to me, quieting my heart, quieting my mind, quieting my thoughts, truly finding rest in him. He's the giver of rest. And if you need rest, you go into his presence, and that's where you find it. So let's move to the New Testament together. This is going to be a house of rest. And let's go look at Matthew chapter 11 together. And I'm going to start by reading it out of the New King James, and then we're going to look at it together quickly in the uh, Passion Translation. Matthew chapter 11, this is Jesus talking, and he is saying this. He's offering an invitation. Matthew 11, verse 28, says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me, Anybody 
who is tired and you're heavy laden, you got a bunch of weights on you, Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. He says in verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's read this in the Passion Translation together. It says it this way. Are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Come to me and I will refresh your life, for I am an oasis. Simply join your life with mine. Simply join your life with mine, Jesus says. Learn my ways and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, and easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me, for all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. Wow. Jesus is talking about an exchange of burdens. Many times we read this and we think that Jesus is saying, come to me and I'm going to take everything away from you and you'll be fine. But what Jesus is actually saying, if you look at this carefully, he says, come to me, all of you who labor and heavy laden. You've got a, you've got a weight. You've got a burden you're carrying. He says, I'm going to give you rest. Then he says this, take my yoke upon you. So he's saying, give me your yoke, give me your burden, and I'm going to put a different yoke upon you. Now, yoke is uh, not a word that we use super often anymore, and probably most of us, when we hear the word yoke, the first thing we think of is a egg yoke. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about eggs. He's talking about the kind of yoke that went on an ox to haul a cart or a burden around. And so these, these yokes that he put on, these yokes, the great thing about these yokes is that they were tailor-made individually for each ox. And so if you had an ox that you had at home that you used to cart your stuff around and move your, your great little couch from one house to another couch, or you had to pack up your refrigerator and move it, you would put this fridge in your ox cart and your, your ox would move it. And so you would have to go to a carpenter to get this yoke made. And so they would take the, the ox to the carpenter and he would fit each ox individually and make a tailor-made yoke to fit the ox. Isn't that cool? It wasn't one size fits all because everybody's different. Every ox was different. And so they would take them to a carpenter who would draw it out, sketch it, take measurements, and make sure that the yoke would fit perfectly on this ox to decrease the burden and the weight and the, the hardness on it as much as possible. Jesus is saying, I have a tailor-made burden for you to carry, and the burden that I give you is going to be a burden that brings rest. So he's not saying, just drop your stuff off and I'll take care of it like you would to a bag boy. He's saying, give me your burden and I'll return a different burden to you. But the burden that I'm going to give you is a burden of rest. Now listen, when Jesus was talking, he was talking to a bunch of Jewish people who up to this point had all kinds of rules and requirements that they tried to follow. They were called mitzvahs. And there was... 
There was a lot of them. They talk about how there were 613, but they think that's just a traditional number that was come up with a rabbi in like the 200 ADs. And that number came from 365 days a year and then 248 bones in a body. And so the number adds up to 613. It wasn't a factual 613 laws. It was just like, there's a lot of laws we got to follow. And then beyond that, all these Jewish people, all the requirements they had, they went beyond the laws and the requirements, and they added laws upon laws. Here's what they would do. Who's heard of a hedge of protection? All the church people say, yes, hedge of protection. We've heard of hedges of protection. What they would do is there would be a law that God said, you can't do this or you have to do this this way. Then what they would do is they would come along and they would add their own laws around that law to make sure they didn't break this law. So there was a law about, in, in Deuteronomy 29, about when you built a house, they said that you should build a fence around the roof of your house so that if somebody fell off of it, that you wouldn't have guilt and, and shame from them dying off your roof. And so they would put these laws and these rules around the already rules and laws that they had imposed that God had given them. And so these were people that were weighed down and burdened by all these laws and requirements that they were called to follow. And Jesus is saying, listen, I know you've got a lot of things, a lot of rules, a lot of regulations, and I know it's a heavy burden. So he says, come to me, and I've got a better way for you. So the question then is, what is the burden that Jesus gives us that causes rest? I just love that phrase as well, a burden that gives rest. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So there is a burden that he gives you. There is a yoke that you are called to put on. There is something that's supposed to go over your shoulders as you give yours to Jesus. He says, I'm giving you this yoke back and you put this yoke on, but this yoke, this burden gives you rest. And the question then is, what is that burden? And it's pretty easy, actually. So go with me to Matthew chapter 22. We're going to look at this together. Matthew chapter 22, Jesus is speaking, and, and uh, the Sadducees came, and they had just asked Jesus a question, and they were trying to trick him. You know, they were always trying to trick, trick Jesus and get him caught up, and so that didn't work well. And so the Pharisees come in verse 34, and it says, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. They're like, this is our chance now. We're going to trick Jesus. The, the Sadducees couldn't do it, so we're going to get him. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, remember, we're talking about Jesus said, You know, I know you've got a lot of rules. I know you've got a lot of heavy burdens that you're carrying. Come to me. Come to me, and I will take those burdens and give you another burden to carry. And he was referring to all the rules and the laws and the regulations that God had for them. And so this guy says, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus says this, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second one is just like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus is saying that the answer to the question about what is the burden that Jesus gives us that causes us to have rest, 
The answer is love. Love is the burden that Jesus gives to you. Love is the yoke that you are called to put on and walk around carrying. You are called to put on the yoke of love that everywhere you go, it will give you rest. Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 34, he says, A new commandment I give you, love one another like I've loved you. And he's referring to a love that is unconditional and it doesn't matter what is happening because Jesus is talking in context of John 13 is when Judas is fixing to betray him and Jesus knows it. And so then Jesus says, love one another like I've loved you. What is the common theme in these three verses? Love. Love. And so the burden that brings rest for you and for me is the yoke of love. You're called to love God with all that you are, spirit, soul, and body, all of your strength, all of your mind, all of your heart. You're called to love people like Jesus loves them. That means as you encounter people, one of, the, one of the things that we want people, when they come to our church, when they walk in the parking lot, when they walk through the doors, we want them to feel the love of Jesus as they show up. We don't want them to think, oh, wow, they have great coffee. Look, at there's donuts here that I get to eat. How exciting. Hey, that's great. Have coffee, have donuts, have popcorn, have whatever. Those are awesome things. But beyond all that, we want people to know that Jesus loves them. And so the yoke that we're called to put on, the burden that you are called to carry, is the yoke of love. Above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. You can't get away from the very simple truth and the fact that all you do and that all you are is supposed to be done through the lens of love. Every conversation you have, every relationship you have, every place you go, everything you put your hand to to do is to be done through love. So as we are a house that seeks God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. And as people come here and see that God is moving, that God's spirit, his presence is here, they will also see then that we are a house because God is here, that we are a house of love. And because we're a house of love, because we are choosing to put on the yoke of love, there will be rest in here. Striving will cease. Division will cease. Dissension will cease. Because God and his presence is here and because we are choosing as followers of Jesus to walk in love everywhere we go. Can I get a hearty amen? amen. So what does that mean for you practically? What does that mean for us practically? It means that everything we do Every conversation, we have to begin to change the way we think about it. We have to begin to think about conversations before we have them. Before you open your mouth, 
and begin to let words fly, you begin to think about those words and ask yourself, is this conversation a conversation that is rooted in love? Am I wearing the yoke of love or have I taken it off and picked up my old yoke? The one that I dropped at the feet of Jesus that was causing me to be heavy and weighed down and I could barely walk and I was struggling and I was weary and I was tired and I wasn't going anywhere and I was stuck in mud. And so I went to Jesus and I dropped it off and he gave me a new burden to carry. But sometimes, for some reason, I can't quite figure out. I think it's just human nature. A lot of times, we like to go back and pick up the old yoke. Maybe because it just fits so good from how long we've wore it. But the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ has a tailor-made yoke for you. You know, I was telling Jacob and Jen this, and there is, there is no proof of this, but it's a great, it's a great picture, and I want to I tell you about it. In, in Barclay's commentary here, um, he says that there's a legend, because we all knew that Jesus was a carpenter, correct? You guys knew that, right? Jesus used to work with wood. And um, during his silent years, before he, was, before he began his public ministry, there's a legend, and I couldn't find this anywhere again. So don't take this to the bank. This is just a great thought. But there is a, there is a legend that Jesus was the greatest um, uh, yoke maker in the Galilee region. And so before he was... Jesus the Messiah, and he was Jesus the son of Joseph, as far as everybody knew, and he was just making tables and all kinds of things. People would come to Jesus and ask him to make yokes for them because Jesus was a master yoke maker because he could tailor fit the yoke just for you. Now, who knows if that's true? I couldn't find anything anywhere about it. But here's the fact that remains true. Jesus has a yoke that is tailor-made just for you today. So whether he's a master yokes maker or not 2,000 years ago, that doesn't matter. What matters now is that he's got a yoke made just for you, man, and it's tailor fit, and it's a yoke of love. And as we put it on, we will carry his burden, which gives us rest. So everywhere we go, we're not having to strive and to work and to hustle and be tired and weary. We're walking around wearing the yoke of Jesus Christ that he specifically made for Brian Gervais. Man, he carved it out, he whittled it down, he sanded it, made it all perfect and nice, and it fits exactly perfect on Brian's shoulders. You know, it wouldn't fit. Brian's yoke wouldn't fit on me. Brian's yoke wouldn't fit on me because the Lord has a tailor-made yoke for me, and he's got one for each and every one of you. And that yoke is the yoke of love that brings rest everywhere you go. Stand up with me. I want to pray together. First of all, you know, is there anybody here, like, we all raised our hands about being tired and weary. And I want to pray for all of us that are tired and weary right now. So if you are, if you're wore out, if you're tired, if you're weary, I want you to raise your hands. I'm not going to make you come up here, don't worry. I'm just going to pray that the Spirit of God fills you right now with His presence, 
with his refreshing, with his rest. So if you want rest, if you want rest in the Lord, I want you to raise your hands high and get ready to receive, remembering that Jesus himself is here in this house, right here, right now. And so I may be a man who is praying for you, but I believe in the name of Jesus that his Holy Spirit is going to come and touch you right now. Father, I thank you for your sweet presence that brings rest and refreshment right now. Father, I thank you that you are beginning to move all across this place and you are replacing weariness and tiredness and brokenness. You are taking the weights that we can't carry and you are replacing them with your rest and your fresh. Holy Spirit, I ask you right now in the name of Jesus to do a work that only you can do. Fill us up from the bottom of our feet to the tops of our head to overflowing with your goodness. Just take a moment and just rest in his presence. Just breathe deep. Spirit of God, do what only you can do in this house. Work the way that only you can work. Bring refreshing right now. I want to pray another prayer in Matthew 11. And you can just, just stay in this presence. Just keep receiving from God. Let his spirit work and move on the inside of you. But in Matthew 11, there was an invitation by Jesus where he says, come to me. And the invitation is Jesus saying, you've got to come to me to receive rest. You've got to come to me to receive this. You've got to bring your burdens to me. And so first and foremost, if you're in this place today and you have never came to Jesus, you've never surrendered your life, you've never surrendered your heart, you've never gone to him and said, I need you in my life. I am wore out, I am weary, and I am burdened. I need you to come into my life and fix it. If you've never done that, I want to pray together right here and right now so that you can receive the rest and the refreshing and the burden that is light. Or if you're in this place, you're like, I have prayed that prayer before, but I'm not living that life. I'm not walking in that lifestyle. I haven't, I, I, I went back and I picked up my old yoke and I've been strolling around wearing my old ways and my old habits and my old thoughts. And I wanna get rid of that. I don't want that anymore. Slip your hand up and we'll pray together. I see that hand. Anybody else? We're gonna pray and we're all gonna pray together. We're all going to pray together, so don't you worry. Now's your chance. Jesus is saying, I want, to, I want to exchange with you. I want to do a swap. Because what I've got is way better than what you could ever imagine. I see those hands going up. Surrendered hearts and surrendered lives. Seek the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your strength.
All right, we're all going to pray together. And I want you to repeat this after me. Father, I come to you right now, and I am weary. I am tired. And I bring my burdens to you. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I give you the yoke that I've been carrying for far too long. I receive the yoke you have for me. I ask you to be my Lord, my master, my savior. All that I am, all that I am is yours. I say have your way both in me and through me. In your son's mighty name, we all said, amen, amen. There is a rest that God is desiring us to move in, where there is no striving, where there's no hustling, where it's not a burden, but it brings life. Imagine that, a yoke that you put on that brings life instead of weariness and tiredness. A yoke that makes you more complete. A yoke that makes you more like Jesus. I wanna take just a moment and I wanna take a moment and just worship God and rest in his presence. And so let's just begin to worship the Lord. Let's just begin to sing out your own song. Begin to lift your hands and worship God and just take a moment and rest in his presence. Because the Spirit of God is wanting to bring a refreshing right now that enables you to run the race that he has called for you to run. so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.